Welcome to the Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. For this episode, I'm excited to share our recent interview with writer-director Tim Sutton. With his new film, Funny Face, arriving on April 2nd, filmmaker Tim Sutton talked to us recently about the film. Funny Face is a superhero film only Tim Sutton could make. The feature follows the story of a young guy named Saul who is upset with his life and the direction he thinks New York City is headed in. So what's a guy to do? Well, naturally, you grab a mask, team up with a Muslim girl who recently ran away from her family, and take on a greedy businessman. But that's funny face in the simplest of terms. What Sutton delivers is something much more complicated and much more unique. For those who have listened to the Playlist podcast regularly, you've probably heard us discuss Tim Sutton before, and primarily when it comes to his previous film, Donnybrook, which is one of my personal favorite films of the past few years. But Sutton is also a writer-director of a number of other features, including Memphis, Pavilion, and Dark Knight. Over the course of the interview, we talked to Sutton about Funny Face and its superhero origins, the complicated legacy of Donnybrook, and his upcoming Western that stars musician Machine Gun Kelly. I really think it's a fascinating discussion with a brutally honest independent filmmaker that refuses to be anything else other than true to himself and the stories he wants to tell, even if that leads to divisive films. But before I throw it to the interview, I got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, so stick around and listen to Mike, Brian, and myself speak to filmmaker Tim Sutton about Funny Face, which again, it arrives on April 2nd. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome filmmaker Tim Sutton to the Playlist Podcast. Thanks for joining us to talk about your new film, Funny Face. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and I got to admit, when the opportunity came for us to talk to you, my co-host made fun of me because they figured we'd just sit here for 30 minutes and talk about Donnybrook, and I'm going to try not to, but I, I would love to do that. No, man, uh, let's talk about Donnybrook. I, 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 I'm happy to, trust well, me. We will. We'll get to it, trust me. But let's let's talk about the, you know, the film at hand here. Okay. When you talk about Funny Face, which is your new movie, you have mm-hmm. to talk about the film in terms of the mask. That's kind of like the iconic imagery of this movie. It's a striking image. There's a grown man wearing a mask in public. It's strange, scary, a little sad even. What is it about a mask that makes you feel like it was important for this character? And why that mask? Well, masks in general, I've been kind of fascinated with for a number of years, just because, you know, Dark Knight was about you know, the ba- the Batman mask in many ways for me. And uh, and Willis Earl Beale, who was the star of Memphis, as soon as Memphis kind of wrapped, he started wearing a mask like in his everyday, just a black mask. And he did that because he didn't want to be identified as a black person. He wanted to be identified as a person. And so the first thing you see with Willis now is the mask. So you don't see a black person, you see a person in a mask. And that it's a way of, uh, it's a way of owning your the identity that you want to present to the world rather than the identity that that the world sees you. So, you know, I, I wanted to make a movie about New York. I wanted to make a movie about Brooklyn. I wanted to make a movie that that one image was literally you could put that mask on a poster and everybody would know without even a title what you were what you were going for. And so the, the funny face mask, of course, is is something that is rich in history. It's very uh, it's very uh, symbolic of, of Brooklyn, but it's symbolic of Brooklyn's wild, weird, strange, kind of uh, freak show past. And I that 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 
gave me the idea of what what is that past up against right now? Well, it's up against money. It's up against power. It's up against uh, you know the the glossy change that that started with Bloomberg, and so that's where it came from. But the mask essentially is is the power of the movie. It's it's a it it comes to you when you need it. It it leaves you when you don't need it, and when someone else needs it. And so I got this feeling, this idea of how this mask allows this person to be that kind of sad, weird, cool, you know, sad, weird, anonymous superhero, uh, but in a, in, a, in a Joey Ramone kind of way, in a punk rock kind of way. And then there's, there's another character in this who, spoiler alert, also wears the mask at some point. Right. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller, who we forever will refer to as Zero Cool from Hackers, because why not? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think of him as Sick Boy from... Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Well, oh, that is a, a much... Too. Yeah, we're dorks that think of... I think of Hackers, but yes, train spotting. <laughs> no, way to go. Pl- plenty of people do. I, I, I think of him as Sick Boy, but... Yeah, for okay. sure. But he plays uh, a character just referred to as the developer in this. Right. And he's like a morally bankrupt, money-obsessed real estate magnate fraud that's trying to step out of his father's shadow and make a name for himself and saying all that some might draw comparisons to a certain well-known fella that used to live in new york here in maybe the white house and now florida and you know was this film an active response to the climate that he who shall not be named has has brought about or or only in not only in new york city just across the nation you know, y- yes and no. I mean, I can't say it's it's like a a, a purposeful, strategic response to Trumpism. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I always thought of the developer, and I told Johnny Lee Miller the only direction I gave him was be Jared Kushner. <laughs> wow. I mean, that was really the only direction, and he knew what to do with that. Um, so it, it's a response, but it's more of a response to how New York and how the country has changed. How you know, money has always been, you know, obviously an important part of the game, but it started feeling after, you know, almost 25 years in New York, that money was the only game in town and that the New York that, that I love, and that I'm sure you guys or uh, other people like us love, um, was disappearing and disappearing in a way that, that felt not only crass, but heartbreaking. Um, so, and I think that's happening, whatever, look at what, look at how, what Austin looks like now, you know, look at what, uh, San Francisco looks like now. Look at what a lot of cities look like now, and you see it's money and it's power, and the rest of us have to kind of suck it, you know. So I, I, that that was really what the movie was was about. That part of it, you know, uh, yeah, was yeah. was was trying to make um, trying to go to war a little bit, trying to go to war for the for for the side that I think is right. You mentioned war there, and this film could have easily. It devolved into like a dark, violent revenge thriller, but it stops short just just when you think it could go over the edge. And this isn't the first time one of your films has gone this way. And do mm-hmm. you feel that kind of violence would have undercut the themes you were trying to deal with here? Well, it's a good question. I mean, earlier drafts of the script had horrific violence at the end. Horrific violence like like um horrific uh you know <laughs> I, I gotta say i gotta say one of the reasons I, I pulled back from that was because because of donnybrook because i i feel like with donnybrook I, I took something dark and violent and i really took it to the end of the end of the road as far as i'm concerned i went as deep and as dark and as violent as i possibly could and i came back thinking that's not necessarily a my new york story but b guys like saul don't get to the guys like the developer 
they can rage and they can throw eggs and they can, you know, come close. But the bottom line is a guy like Saul's just looking for a friend. He's just looking for someone to care for him. He's looking for someone to care for. So all this pent up rage, all this anger, all this misery, it's real, but it's, it's not going to get solved by an act of violence. It's going to get solved by an act of love. And that's, 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 that's where I kind of went with it. And, and I'm glad I did. That's, that's really interesting. And, and you mentioned this earlier and, and I saw this film, uh, I guess back when it was, uh, screening for Berlin. So yeah. it's been a while. And, and at the time there wasn't a lot, I, there was no trailer or anything. I didn't know what, I just knew this is, you know, Tim Sutton. So I'm going to watch mm-hmm. it. And when the trailer came out, they, in the synopsis, it says that, uh, that Saul's a makeshift superhero with a rage disorder. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was the first time I heard this in terms of a superhero story. And then you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Is this, obviously there's no Marvel Studios vibes to this movie. No, really but it's all. a superhero movie. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Is this oh, Tim yeah. Sutton's superhero it's, movie? This is an origin story. And it started out originally as an origin story about funny face, the, the wild adventures of funny face and Burka girl. It was about two caped Avengers who, you know, who, who, who are exploring New York city and try and take for revenge on evil uh, and try and stop evil. Um, I, I, I'm saddened by, I love, I like some Marvel movies. I, I despise many and the DC universe as well. I think they're just, uh, they've stolen the superhero away from the rest of us. The superhero is now just Robbie, Robert Downey Jr. or Benedict Cumberbatch or like, and, and hundreds of millions of, if not billions of dollars, you know, the superhero started out as kind of a Brooklyn punk or a Queens nerd. And it was DIY stuff. And so I wanted to kind of reclaim the superhero story for, for, for the bodega group, you know what I mean? Um, to make a, a punk rock uh, kind of howling uh, version of a superhero who, who can't, can't really get things done, who doesn't have superpowers. He only has himself in his burrow. Um, but I was, I was really hearkening back to the, you know, the first times I read, you know, the Peter Parker origin story. Or those origin stories that you know I grew up you know loving, and I felt like they've just been whitewashed. They've just been they've kind they've just been glossed over, and they're the property of the rich and and powerful now. And so I wanted to to again go to war on that. That said, since this is your idea of a superhero movie, and and you you don't really enjoy the the big corporations in doing the superhero movies, do you ever see yourself doing like a full on you know capes and cowls sort of superhero movie? Yeah, if I could do something the way I wanted to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, listen, I, I, I do work for hire. Like, let's be honest, yeah. it's a business. And I love all kinds of movies, big and small, you know? So I, and I have interest in, in doing all different kinds of movies, but I'm interested in building a body of work that has soul, most importantly. And all my movies, no matter if they're good or bad or reviewed or, or poorly or reviewed well, they have a soul and they have a unique soul that you will put them back in, the you know you'll 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 watch them 30 years from now and they will feel unique and they will feel of themselves they are not disposable so if that's a superhero movie great this fall i made a western i had no intention of making a western it was a gig for hire but i made a tim sutton western and whatever that turns out to be it's like (laughs) it's certainly uh an interesting twist on the genre so so yes to answer your question i'm game for it it just has to it has to be me at the same time. So one of those factors in kind of contributing the soul to the movies is one of the more fascinating things about your films is your casting. 
Like you often pick actors that are a bit under the radar sure. or uh, they're on the verge. It, like with Donnie Brook, obviously, Margaret Qualley, Frank Grillo, um, and Funny Face, Cosmo, Jarvis, he's he's pretty amazing and he, he brings a lot to the movie, the soul you were talking about. But you know, you know that brings us to the, to the next feature you have. Is that is that the Western, the Last Sun? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the Last Sun. Well, the Last Sun's interesting because it has it has Sam Worthington, but you can't even see, yeah. you can't even tell it's him. He's completely unrecognizable. Like right. 20 minutes into the movie, you'll be like, I think that's Sam Worthington, um, <laughs> which is well, awesome. awesome, and was something that he he had been planning for months, and he and I both planned. And then there's Machine Gun Kelly who's in it. Who's that's that's the question. Super there, famous. Yeah. But nobody's, you know, he hasn't been in a good movie yet, as far as I'm concerned. And he hasn't, he hasn't played a role that, that takes you somewhere, as far as I'm concerned. And he really does this time. So, um, I, you know, I, listen, if I could work with Jude Law, I'd work with Jude Law. You know, I mean, it'd be great. But you have, you have access to certain things. The first three movies I made had no actors in them. Why? Because I refused to work with, with, not, with, uh, with mediocre actors. I'd rather take real people and kind of, you know, work with them to make kind of uh, uh, legendary versions of themselves, right? So when Cosmo, I was introduced to Cosmo through Danny Streisand at UTA. And at first I was like, I don't know, I don't know. I, I talked to him, he really understood the character, but most of all, the work that the guy puts in is like Daniel Day-Lewis shit. It's like, he came to New York months ahead of time. He lived out in Brooklyn. He never, he worked on his accent. He never broke character for the months that he was here until I yelled rap. I swear to God, wow. people were, crew members were in tears afterwards because they had had this really close relationship with a guy named Saul and then Saul disappeared right before the, their eyes. He really, really goes for it. And, um, and I had never worked with anyone quite like that. I mean, Jamie Bell is as close as I've gotten. Margaret Qualley's incredible. Frank Grillo, they're all great. But Cosmo really, um, really believed in this in this kind of in this loser and you don't get a lot of actors these days who who play losers you know they're they they're all trying to play something heroic or like michael b jordan type stuff and saul and cosmo they're not hipsters they're not cool they're they're guys that have that have been kind of left behind and they're kind of trying to to claw back and and i think that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of dedication and takes a ton of talent and i was you know i think cosmo's just if he can get the right parts, he's, he can, he can do it all. Yeah. And, and as far as, well, he is phenomenal. And then as far as, you know, the next one, Machine Gun Kelly, who I know is a musician, why, why did you choose him? Like you said, I inherited inherited that movie actually. Really? Yeah. I got a call from my manager in the middle of COVID and was like, do you want to make a Western? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I had never, I had never, I didn't, I didn't cast that movie. But uh, I think Machine Gun, what I did do is that the producer's like, okay, he's got to dye his hair a regular color. He's got to do this, he's got to do that. I was like, no, 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 no. Just let him be Machine Gun Kelly. Let him be himself. You know, the character is is named Cal and he's this punk, he's basically a punk rock cowboy. He's like a psycho cowboy. Let him be, don't take a wild animal and put him in a, a wig. You know what I mean? Like, let him be a wild animal. And and Coulson is a wild animal and and he also wants to learn. Like he wants to be a great actor. So he listened to when Sam was advising him, you know, cause Sam's been through it. You know, he's made multiple movies with James Cameron for Christ's sakes. And, you know, when, when I, when we talked about the idea of what acting truly is, it's about being yourself. It's about 
it's about using your own history. And so a trust got built up and, and I think he's, I think he's fantastic in it. And I think he's going to be fantastic in other movies and we're actually developing something together right now. So Ooh, yeah. little tease there. I do have to ask, did a lot of your budget go to covering his tattoos or are you letting him wear the tattoos? <laughs> the hair and makeup department had a fucking chore with that guy. But, <laughs> um, you know, but, but we, since it was period, the, our costume designer, designer, Yvonne Reddy, who was fantastic. She, uh, she designed stuff. So he was always, you know, kind of wrist to neck kind of thing. Yeah. And again, like with his hair, it's like he showed up with that hair and I was like, let him be bleach blonde. Let it be weird. Let him, let him be punk rock. Because I think sometimes when, when period, when period pieces come and they're all like yonder and, you know, they speak in that kind of vernacular, I buy it less than when they come in and say, Hey, chill out. Um, so I let him be him. And, and I love, uh, you know, I had to fight the producers a little bit on it, but, but I think it, I think it works and it's interesting and it's, it's natural because that's what he's capable of doing right now. He's not capable of being Daniel Day-Lewis. He's capable of being Machine Gun Kelly. That's really interesting. So um, recently we spoke to Frank Grillo and I mentioned, of course, my love of Donnie Brook. And he was like, you know, talking about how much fun he had with you, how he loves the movie and all of that. But he also mentioned that you were affected by some of the negative reviews. Ugh. And that obviously the fi no film is perfect. And even the best films have detractors. And we know that the people that didn't like Donnie Brook are objectively wrong. But <laughs> I'd love to know what your thoughts are on film criticism when it comes to features like yours. Because as you said, this is... Uh, movies that you make you don't you don't try to make four quadrant cookie cutter movies you you push yeah. the limits you you like to be divisive essentially so when it comes to criticism that doesn't always work so what do you it, think it doesn't it's a bummer man because you know i love film criticism i mean that's how i got into filmmaking i was going to be like you know follow the path of like godard and brisson and truffaut and like be a critic and then then become a filmmaker. I mean, I went right to the filmmaking, but I, I, I read Sight and Sound religiously. I read, you know, IndieWire religiously. I read The Times religiously. And I got sucker punched a little bit because my first film and uh, Pavilion and Memphis got really good reviews. I mean, other than some people saying it's like watching paint dry, which is, you know, a fair criticism. But, but with Donnybrook, I thought they did something really irresponsible, the negative criticism. You can criticize the film, but there were critiques that were like crit criticized the title sequence, that criticized the cover of the novel, that criticized shots that were about like moments of, of, of near suicide, that, that we worked very hard to create this emotional void. And they, they tossed it off like it was just, oh, it was, it was too dark. It's not classy, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And, and it killed the film. The film premiered opening night in Toronto for the platform competition. It won Fantastic Fest and then it went away. And, and I, that's because uh, I think critics didn't understand it and wanted to kind of destroy it. Um, and, and so, yeah, it hurt. And of course, it hurt because listen, I can take it, but like people didn't get to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and you make a movie for an audience to make up their own make their own decision. Donnybrook is not a, a movie about the 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 radical right, the alt right. It's not a movie about hate. It's a movie about survival. 
and and it was it shocked me that it took such a beating. Um, yeah, I mean, it really it it it's it's a shame because it made me think like, oh, did I make a bad movie? Did I make a bad movie? Because it's hard to it, it's hard. I mean, this is gonna sound corny as hell, but it's hard to be an artist, you know. And so when you are an artist, you put yourself out there, and you're you're expecting pros and cons, but when the pros are you know are really strong but the the cons kind of you know make them all disappear it it it's a shock it's it's and it makes you question filmmaking in general not just film criticism yeah so i recently spoke with eddie wong uh this week actually and he has his first ever movie boogie and he was telling me that the this that movie is like basically about his life like he pulled like from abuse and stuff like some heavy heavy shit and the reviews are negative and he said it it like hit him hard and he just was like screw reviews i'm just not reading them anymore have you gotten to that point yet or do you still read them or or are you just kind of like you know i can't let this get to me I still read them, but now I kind of have hardened myself to them. I mean, I actually kind of like have fun reading the 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 non-critic reviews, just the people who review your stuff on on Amazon Prime, and it's just like stupid movie. I mean, I, I, mean, I kind of <laughs> like I I like I don't like it, but it, it makes me kind of laugh. That's part of the game. Um, but but I do think like there are certain critics I won't read now because because I've been scarred for sure. But I believe in film criticism in that, you know, when I was reading about my friend Eliza Hitman's film, like mm. the critics got that one right. You yeah. know what I mean? And 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 other films like uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, these these latest films. I think they got they got it right. And I learned about the filmmaking and that's and 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 the, and kind of relationship between the film in the world. And I think criticism matters. Um, I just, you know, I just got to wear kind of a plastic suit when I like, like Christian Bale and American Psycho. Before <laughs> Lightening things up a little bit here. So a few years ago, you were kind enough to do one of our uh, movies that changed my life features. And there were a couple shout outs to uh, the Brad Pack and films like uh, St. Elmo's Fire and 16 Candles. Yeah, man. Probably the two best movies ever made. And <laughs> you admitted that these are films that people probably would be uh, shocked to know that you adore. So kind of in the spirit of that. And considering your films often deal with you know, super heavy, dark situations and themes, mm-hmm. uh, care to share a few others, a few other Tim Sutton approved. Yeah, oh, definitely. That would surprise you. My, I think my wife and, I, and my favorite movie together is is silver linings playbook oh wow mm. that is a masterpiece mm-hmm. david o russell is a master filmmaker um j-law w- will never be better um bradley cooper the same way robert de niro playing this authentic uh this authentic father and sports fan i thought it was both beautiful it's a romantic comedy that in someone else's hands could have been totally generic but in this way it was it was emotional and beautiful and funny and had its had a a sense of authenticity and and fun i can watch that movie endlessly endlessly um as far you know i just watched the crown and really liked it (laughs) (laughs) i think everybody's obsessed with the crown right now yeah i know it's hard Uh, not to be so are there any kind of continuing in that same area like are there any more recent films that you're that you're obsessed with or anything like anything like that 
not a lot of good movies oh. that I've seen like recently. Listen, you know, Eliza's film is really great. Um, I like, uh, oh, I like there's uh, the movie, on, there's a movie on movie that's uh, beginning, beginnings yeah. by uh, oh. uh, a Russian filmmaker that, yeah. that I think is, 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 you know, totally ripping off Tarkovsky, but like, hey man, go for it. It's like <laughs> totally enjoyable and totally mesmerizing. And I really like that. Um, Talk about another movie that did well at at, at festivals and kind of just disappeared for whatever reason. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not an easy movie, obviously, but yeah. There's an eight minute shot of someone sleeping in the woods. I mean, it's like they (laughs) kind of go for it. But um, but I think she's an incredible, has incredible talent and and will obviously make great movies. Um, You know, you get bombarded with kind of the Oscar world. And I think some of those movies are just atrocious and unwatchable um we won't ask you to name names that's fine like that's yeah <laughs> that's good but but beginning was really really kind of blew me away as far as a recent movie goes awesome. um and of course uh uh eliza's movie i think should have yeah. been nominated for an oscar never rarely sometimes always for yeah. those that don't know what he's talking about yeah uh and then as far as your upcoming slate there was a, a couple of years ago it was announced you were doing the tobias wolf uh, adaptation of the chain yeah with margaret qualley and jamie bell and Sebastian yeah. stan is is that still something on the slate it sounded it's, pretty brutal it's 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 still there it is not first up on the slate but it is still in development uh i've i've written three drafts that's with david lancaster who did who did uh donnie brook and it's 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 just I'll be honest, like it got financed, but it didn't get financed at a level that would have made everyone very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was a lesson for me. It's like, Oh, we got multiple offers. Let's make the movie. But it's not always that clear because, you know, there's lots of fees involved. Um, so that was disappointing, but it's, I think it'll still happen. And, and again, like, I'm very proud of the script. I love Tobias Wolf. I, I was carrying that short story around in my back pocket since I was a teenager. Um, and, uh, but, but it, I love David and obviously I love Jamie and Margaret. And so hopefully we can do it. You're finishing up last son, anything else in the works, anything else you have in the works that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, man. I got two things in the works that I really dig. One is with topic studios uh, called birds point, which is, that is a script by Bill Gullo. Who's a great writer. Who's right here in Brooklyn with me. Um, And uh, produced by Annie Martyr and Jordan Horowitz. That, that should be really interesting. It's about an engineer who goes back and has to flood his, hometown um and and reconcile with a a son that he abandoned long ago kind of like a a americana drama and uh i just finished writing this thing called good news uh which is i saw you posted something about that on instagram yeah it it's it's about the untimely overdose of a musician oh wow and so i will leave it unspoken who that musician might be interesting okay Oh, that's a tease. These both yeah. both my co-hosts are big into music and play instruments, so yeah. I'm oh, sure the, okay. the possibilities yeah, I mean, are running through their heads. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's it's. Listen, I I get a lot of inspiration from from Gus Van Sant. That's no lie, and it's not last days, but it it seems like no one has made a hip hop tragedy yet. Mm. 
And, and I think there's a lot of tragedy there's with, with the opioids and with people dying young and, and a lot of these SoundCloud rappers just not, not being able to reach their full potential because of society and because of, because of Instagram and social media and drugs and all that stuff. So, so no one has made that movie yet. So I'm, I'm hoping to do so. That would be fantastic because yeah. I tell you what, I don't really follow SoundCloud all that much. I'm a little old for that. But uh, I'll tell you, like seeing these guys die at like 2021, 20, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's crazy. I mean, it's also interesting because my son, who's 15 years old, introduced me to the actual, I mean, it's, it's loosely based on Mac Miller, on Lil Peep, on, oh, okay. on Juice yeah. World. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't know any of Mac Miller stuff. And, and my son introduced him to me. And I mean, it's just tragic. It's it really beautiful and, and tragic. So yeah, we'll, well, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Of course. We're looking forward to it for sure. Um, so I want to get a wrap up here. So I want to thank Tim Sutton again for joining the playlist podcast, talking about funny face. Uh, it's been fantastic talking with you about this stuff. Yeah, man. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks guys. Yeah. And so Thanks, everyone man. go check out funny face. It hits uh, April 2nd. And if you haven't, and I can't say this enough, go find Donnie Brook. Uh, I think it's like on IFC films streaming right now, but you can buy it anywhere. So do it. Thank you.